Hi, and welcome to Little Gems. This is my first ever episode with my wonderful friend Elena, where we talk about all things bees and beekeeping, and we discuss why it's her little gem. I had such a wonderful time chatting with her. It was so neat to learn about a hobby that, frankly, I don't think all too many of us are familiar with. So what a wonderful chance it was to learn about what it actually entails and how to even start beekeeping yourself. And I think that this is a particularly relevant hobby, just given that it can totally be undertaken in the confines of a COVID-19 world. Why not open up a hive in your backyard? I think that there's something really magical about bees and that they're fostering the community that you live in. You know, they're pollinating the flowers and the gardens and the world that is your ecosystem. So there's something really refreshing about giving back in that way. And you certainly get to benefit yourself as well through that sweet honey that they make in return. Hearing Melina talk about this hobby and why it brings her so much joy and happiness into her life is really special to me. And I think you'll find it just as unbelievable as I did. That pun was a stinger. Honestly, I really refrain from seamlessly interjecting puns throughout this podcast. So rest assured, I just got it out of my system. You're safe for the rest of the podcast. So without further ado, do enjoy my chat with Elena about the little gem in her life, beekeeping. Elena, thank you so much for chatting. I am so excited to talk about something that I know you have been excited about for years now. Perhaps something that you wish not everyone knew because I know I personally have given you an abundance of gifts with this theme Um, and it's now just attached to you, but maybe you love it. I don't know. I'm about to find out if you've enjoyed all these gifts that have the thing which shall not yet be named on them. Okay, so tell me, what is your little gem? Um, my little gem is bees, but I guess more specifically beekeeping. Beautiful. Okay, let's go right to the root of this because perhaps it's a bit of an unconventional love and I want to know exactly where it started how did it start buzzing where did it begin I actually have no idea where it began Ooh. so I just remember around this time last year you know just scrolling through Facebook as you do and seeing an ad that was like beekeeping for beginners a two-day course and I just I don't know I just signed up But interestingly enough, I found this list that I made right after we graduated from university and it was like 25 things that I would like to do in the near future. Mm. And number 17 was beekeeping. (laughs) There it was. There was. There was a spot there, 17. But I remember you at least being interested in beekeeping for a lot longer than just one year. I don't remember that. You you were keen on the bees way before you signed up for the class. Yeah, like I think I I was talking about it and always mm. thought it was interesting, but I didn't actually think I would do it. Hmm. Okay. So when you did sign up for the class and you did begin, what was that feeling like once you kind of finally planted the bee seed in the real world, the pollen, not the bee? <laughs> <seed>. <laughs> well. I think 
to give up a full, you know, Saturday, Sunday. It was, it was a nine to five class. I was mm-hmm. like, what if I hate this? This is a big financial and energy time investment. But then on the first day, we were probably like two hours in and I was love this. This is so <laughs> cool. It's like a giant puzzle that you get to solve every time you go in there. Okay, talk me through this. How is it a puzzle and how are you putting the pieces together? (laughs) Well, I don't fully know yet because I don't have my bees. But essentially, they're self-sufficient. They don't really need us. So we just kind of have to maintain. You're you're like a guest in the hive. You get to go in there and see what they're doing. And you kind of learn every time you're in there. And you figure out what their next move is. Like, are, are there too many of them? Are they going to swarm soon? How do you prevent that? When is the prime time for them to start doing honey? You kind of have to be careful of, of disease. So there's like little hints that they leave you for what they need. Okay, beautiful. So then the things that you can actually affect or the factors that you could influence, is that mostly just adding or removing bees? Like, is there a, a way of <laughs> influencing them in other ways? Yeah, so you can, I, I don't think I would be adding or removing bees ever. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> but you could add boxes. You can give them more space. You can give them antibiotics. You can kind of remove some wax or some, some cells that they have to, to kind of trick them into not swarming. That sounds really cruel. <laughs> it's a heck of a lot less cruel than a lot of other animal farming practices or zookeeping practices, Tiger King reference that are happening right now. That's for sure. Yeah, very true. Did it make you more interested in honey, like consuming it? At first, honestly, I had no interest in the honey. Mm -hmm. I just heard it was a very relaxing hobby to have because you just kind of, when you go into the hive, the buzzing is terrifying for the first minute because you just your automatic reaction is to swap them away Mm. but when you settle into it it actually is very calming to hear 100,000 bees buzzing (laughs) around you (laughs) it's a little bit like white noise I can see how that could be a a nice lull in the background yeah for sure um but now I think I'm interested in honey because that's like the end goal of the season it's kind of like you did a good job taking care of your hive Mm. is there some sort of distinguishing factor that varies depending on the bees and the honey? Like, are there people out there who can taste certain types of bees and the honey that they make and happy bees, happy honey? You know how, like, there's this big movement for happy chickens and that they taste better because they're Mm. free-range eggs and that sort of thinking? So there are only two types of honeybees, as far as I know. Um, And there's... Western honeybees and Eastern honeybees. So the Western honeybee is the most popular one, Apis mellifera. And they are much more productive than the Eastern honeybees. So most people have Western honeybees. And Mm. you can't, I don't think you can taste whether or not your bees are happy, but you can definitely taste the difference in the honey depending on the flora that's around Okay, so like the geographic location of the bees, basically? Yeah, so like um, lavender-infused honey is when those honeybees 
just pollinate and grab their pollen from lavender. And then you have lavender honey. So it's this really cool, tangible way of tasting your neighborhood. Oh, that's so pure. (laughs) I know. It's really cool. I adore that. So the beekeepers that you met or the people that taught this course, who were they? And tell me a little bit more about them and what their experience was and what they imparted on you. So it was taught by Julia Common, who I actually don't really know what her credentials is credentials are, but she is a bee. She looks like a bee. She's a little <laughs> bit frantic like a bee. And she's really in tune with the emotional part of beekeeping. Like she thinks like a bee. She knows she can anticipate their next move, what they need. Mm. She likes to remind beekeepers that again, you're a guest in their home and you need to be respectful. And her counterpart for the course was Lindsay. I cannot remember her last name, but she Mm -hmm. owns um, BCB Supply, Urban Bee Supplies. Yeah. Okay. And she's much more on top of the business side of things. So how to maximize honey, how to make sure your bees don't get sick, um, step-by-step processes. So it was actually a really nice balance of the spiritual but also the the structural parts of beekeeping. Mm. I think the fact that you went to a course before you actually had bees or a hive actually speaks to the degree to which you are genuinely committed to this. Because, I mean, think of most other hobbies or things that you take up on a whim. You end up kind of going full force at it and then trying and just hoping that you'll learn along the way, but learning before you actually get any of the reward from it. I think that's very telling to your interests and your dedication to this. And in that vein, what's the next step? Because you've had this, this class. So what were the takeaways from this class? First of all, well, a lot of takeaways (laughs) summarize Um, these two days for us. (laughs) So essentially where to buy bees how to take care of them, how often you need to check on them, um, what kind of bees to buy, and how to how to winterize your hive. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. So do you but, kind of see them as like a pet or as a friend or as <laughs> a, something, a tool of productivity? Well, okay, when I started, I was very naive and thought that I was going to be able to, like, tell them apart. And Each bee? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know there were going to be so many. <laughs> I mean, it's fair. That's a beautiful thought. You can tell apart all your children and identify them and name yeah, them. Yeah, I thought, thought it was going to be like, you know, you really have this relationship with them. And mm. since then, um, I've kind of realized that's just not a possibility. And so I think it's more now I see them as like, like an entity that I'm fostering and have to be Mm -hmm. respectful of and learn from rather than manage. I love that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of inner peace to that. That's what the whole goal of getting them is (laughs) having a peaceful hobby. Mm. And okay, this is this is a less peaceful question, but something I 
I meant to ask a bit earlier. When you go in there with your hazmat looking bee suit, <laughs> can you still get stung? You're not fully protected, are you? Um, I think you can still get stung. They tend to climb upwards, so it also depends on your footwear. Um, mm. You could definitely get stung on the ankles if you're not protected. And a lot of beekeepers use gloves, but prefer not to because apparently it takes away from the relationship with the bees. Mm. Apparently, if you don't use gloves, you're much more likely to be careful and slower um, mm. and kind of understand what they're experiencing when you're moving their home around. So you can definitely get stung on your hands. And it's inevitable that you will. I think it's just par for the course. So is this a seasonal hobby? I'm imagining you going outside in the thick of a Vancouver rainstorm and tending to your bees. But I don't know if this is a daily experience that you would have. What would it look like once you get the hive and get the bees, which is so thrilling that it is in your future? It is exciting. Um, mm. So generally... It depends on the weather. So okay. I think they, they come out when it's sunny and above eight degrees. So <laughs> whenever that is, they just know. Rare. They don't have to, rare. So it's yeah. usually a beginning season, like maybe April, May, June, depending on how we're doing. Okay. Um, and then you don't have to do anything. They just come out of the hive and get to work. And then you need to check on them once a week, once every two weeks. And just make sure that they're not about to swarm and that they don't have a disease. And check on their food supply and make sure that your queen is laying eggs. So I've been nodding every time you say swarm, but mm -hmm. now I'm realizing that swarm is a bad thing. Yeah, it is a bad thing. Okay, because as soon sweet. as... <laughs> so essentially, um, in the heat of the summer, they produce a lot more babies and they get ready to move out of the hive when they have less space and find a bigger home. So they get ready to do that. So either move the entire hive or split the hive by creating a new queen. And then half the colony will stay and half the colony will leave. Um, mm -hmm. But if you get rid of those queen cells that they're creating, they don't understand what's happening and they end up just staying. But you have to provide them with a little bit more space by stacking a box on top but if they oh, okay. swarm they actually can't sting you because they've gorged themselves on honey before they leave because they have no idea when they're going to find their home and they're too mm. full to sting you <laughs> yeah really cute <laughs> so it's actually really easy to get them back in the hive you just have to make sure you get the queen in the box and put them back in their hive um but once they've swarmed they're not yours anymore so if your neighbor also keeps bees and they catch them first they can legally take your bees wow okay I could see this being a problem in farmland yeah there's like Facebook groups and whatsapp groups where you can be like found a swarm of bees dibs <gasps> lost cannot be found wow okay I've heard a lot about this is kind of a, a side note but about bees being transported across the states in these massive pickup trucks and huge U-Haul vans to get them to the, the almond farms in California. Yeah. Just to do their thing over there. Do you know, do you know much about kind of what's considered proper etiquette with bees? Cause I mean, to me as a very uneducated 
learner of the bee life, that sounds a bit abusive, dare I say, but what's kind of the consensus on beekeeping in general? Like, is that kind of considered keeping an animal captive or an insect, I should say? So I think it, it, well, I have a personal ethical issue with it that I've been kind of grappling with it with, um, because they actually, they don't need us at all. They would be Mm -hmm. just fine um, without any human intervention. Yeah. And I feel bad taking their honey um, for the winter. And then you, you basically replace it with a pollen patty, which is, well, a patty of pollen that they can take during the winter just make such an abundance of honey that they actually don't even use it all so that makes me feel a little bit better okay and we have been relying on them for I would assume decades and decades in order to supply forever they pollinate our food right but industrialization of the bee world is that somewhat newer I don't know if you know that I think so. I I don't think we've been like, you know, shipping bees across the country for, for too long. Um, And there are ways, there's a certification you can get, like, say, as an almond farmer to say that you have ethically sourced your pollinators. Okay. I don't know what that entails. But yeah, it's definitely a big contributing factor to our declining bee population because when they're pollinating and they pick up a pesticide, they take that back to the hive and everybody eats it Mm -hmm. and it affects all the bees. Um, Not to mention that a lot of the crops start earlier than the beekeeping season. So we have to like wake them up earlier and it's not natural for them. So then in that vein, is it not positive for the bee community to have these sort of protected hives that you raise yourself in a way yeah I mean I kind of think in terms of like the 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 flora in your neighborhood like one beehive will pollinate the plants within a five kilometer radius of that hive and so if you are I mean even if you're just like have a vegetable garden it'll help immensely mm. oh, I'm getting into bees now I'm you should it's good to have two hives because you can always if something goes wrong in one of them you can kind of steal from the other one that would be so magical if our bees just flew from one another do you know how far they can travel is that an absurd distance five kilometers that's how far they can go that's how far they will go. They need to find, yeah, like within, they'll go within five kilometers of the hive. My God, but in bee size, that's probably like 5,000 kilometers. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty and they, they pick one plant, like one bee will pick one plant to pollinate for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and nature is just wonderful. It's designed that way so that that plant gets maximum pollination Mm. have you noticed that you observe flowers or fruits or vegetables or animals in a different way since you had this course did it kind of give you this newfound perception not so much with the plants I feel like I have a lot less of an interest in plants Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but the bees for sure now when I see 
a wasp or a bumblebee or a honeybee. And I always think, are you from a natural hive, a wild hive? Does somebody keep you somewhere? What did you, where did you go to get pollen today? What have you been up to, sir? (laughs) Hello, what's happening? (laughs) Those bees are not in quarantine. They're so free right now. How do they know to go home? When the sun starts going down. But technically, there must be something that draws them to their home hive. The queen, she can't be left alone. She can't, she never leaves the hive. So there's this community of bees that just based off of wanting to sustain the life of one bee, mm-hmm. devote their entire livelihoods. To totally. Her. 100%. They feed her. They dote on her. She has like five or six like hand, handmaids, basically. Wow. Just running after her, taking care of her. So symbolic. It is. It's a very, well, kind of a feminist hobby because the drone bees which are the male bees mm-hmm. don't actually have stingers um and so when they're raising them they they give them less quality food because they don't need reproductive organs or stingers um and they don't do anything in the hive they just eat and then eventually leave to hopefully mate with a queen from another hive and then at the end of the season they kind of just kick them out of the hive because they're not useful. Oh, that role reversal. That role reversal. Maybe. <laughs> wow. And don't doesn't she have there's some way of knowing what a purebred bee is? Like you can I'm gonna do, I'm gonna really butcher this, but there's like a certain kind of bee that can take the position of the queen when the queen is passing on the throne. Um yeah, so any queen bee, or soon what what they're making, they're turning a larva into a queen bee, will be fed a higher quality of food mm-hmm. called royal jelly. Okay, there we go. Yeah, and that, because it's so high in nutrients, allows the bee to grow reproductive organs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then once that bee has been has broken out of their their cell um all the bees will kill the old queen and just eat her so this hobby is just so rich in dynamics dynamics and it's so poetic it is oh it's stunning so in the less in the less sexy part of this though i would love to know about the process of now that you have this education behind you you're waiting to get a hive and you're waiting to get bees you have a hive you have a hive i just haven't built it yet right so what does building the hive look like i'm not sure i think the only thing i don't have is our our nails which is oh keep um but actually it's just a box with some grooves in it put for and the frames have like a waxy foundation. But since I have ordered a nuke, so when you order bees, you can either get packaged bees, which are basically just a, a literal tube of bees and a queen, or you can order a nucleus, which is 
like a small colony so that you kind of have your high, your your colony started already. And when you move them in, you just move the frames into your hive and you give them a lot of food to eat so they're inclined to stay. Mm. And yeah, so I just have to build the boxes and then stain them to make them a little bit more weatherproofed and then you can them. Theoretically, could you build the boxes and then bees would just come? In theory, yes. In practice, highly unlikely. Mm. If they swarmed and then just happened to find it, have to be like a really specific time of year. Okay. Yeah. The optimal conditions. Got it. But with mason bees, they will do that. So mason bees are not community bees. They're like little little lone wolves. And if you they if you buy like a a little mason bee house it, it basically is just a bunch of little holes mm. they will find those and live in there for a little while wow that's so neat but that's not a honeybee variety no but they are good pollinators got it okay so you're waiting for the bees do you have a timeline do you know when they'll be coming i don't know when they're going to be coming but i suspect May, well, hopefully, I'm not sure how COVID-19 is going to affect mm-hmm. bee production or bee distribution, but hopefully around May. Okay. Yeah. And is this all local? Like, did you get your hive locally? Are you getting your bees from BC? How does that all work? Yeah, so you can order bees um, legally from New Zealand or Australia. And... Um, so you can get these New Zealand bees and they're the most gentle. They're called arataki bees. Um, so the least likely to sting you, apparently they're a really good beginner bee, but they get shipped here in a tube on an airplane. So I opted to get BC bees from Julia who conducted the course. Great Um, call. Yeah. And she's a really reliable, wonderful human who I think I'll be able to go to if I ever have a question. So happy to support her perfect and you're more likely to get those in may that is for sure yeah 100 percent. timeline wise that is key okay so then once you get them and then you have a season with them this is kind of a morbid sad question but do they last longer than a year what happens kind of depends on the winter so you give them some antibiotics before the the summer ends so season usually ends late August early September and then you need to winterize your hive and so the worst thing for the hive is moisture and especially in Vancouver it's hard so um, you also want to make sure you keep heat in so you can kind of wrap your hive in newspaper and then put plastic around it so it doesn't get wet or moist on the inside Um, and they also have these things called these things called bee cozies which is essentially like a waterproof sleeping bag you can put over your hive. Ooh. But yeah, and then you just give them a ton of food to eat over the winter um, and hope for the best. You can't, you, you shouldn't open your hive during the winter because chances are you'll, you'll let in a lot of cold air, might get mm. wet in there. So you kind of just have to wait till like March, April to open up the hive and see if anybody in there is still alive. Wow. Yeah. That must be a lot of stress and suspense for a beekeeper. I think so. 
But I think if you have a couple of hives, one is likely to, to mm-hmm. stay alive and then you can split your colonies later. Yeah, mitigate your losses. Okay. Well, that's so, oh, it's just very beautiful and it's so natural. I mean, talk about just trying to make yourself one with the world that's around us and encourage life forms that are already flourishing in our own backyards. Well, I guess not, not quite flourishing. Because what is the status on honeybees right now? I remember for a while we were really, really worried, me being the world, that honeybees were going extinct. It was this major concern. And then that kind of either quieted down or I just stopped looking into it. But I thought that it was getting better. I think it's actually kind of like a hot topic because a lot of people say that they are going extinct mm. mostly because they think of like industrialization of the hives and commercial farming but then I don't know I've, I've been I've seen a lot of talks that have been happening like at UBC about how they're actually not in danger anymore yeah I remember hearing that a fair bit in the news and that it was mostly um, a North American problem but that globally they weren't really that endangered and I noticed that so much when I was traveling that you're kind of surrounded by bees in a lot of countries at least when you're in the the forests or amongst nature there and we don't see that as much here but very relieved that it's on the up if that's the case yeah I don't know I should look into that would love to know so in terms of looking into things for someone who felt inspired and attracted to the sweet nectar nectar of beekeeping what would you suggest resources wise are there books um, kind of gurus I know you mentioned the instructors that you had do you think they'd be good local resources where do you think is a good starting point um the internet is always a good spot indeed our every community has a beekeeping club so there's the north shore beekeeping club um Insider tip, Richmond Bee Club is where the real beekeepers are. So if you're oh, about it, that's... Throwing shade on that North Shore Beekeeping Club. <laughs> <laughs> Richmond Bee Club is the place to be. And yeah, Julia Common is really a wonderful resource. Her daughter runs Hives for Humanity, um, mm-hmm. which teaches folks in the downtown east side how to keep bees in the community garden. And oh, that's incredible. Yeah, so she's a really good starter place. Wonderful. Yeah. Fantastic. And commitment-wise, what would you say to someone who might be a bit weary of all that's involved in the process and perhaps not process, but all that's involved in the glory of beekeeping? Well, I haven't quite started yet with the actual beekeeping part. But I would say if you are willing to put in the initial financial investment of purchasing the hive and the bees and all the tools and the suit, mm-hmm. um, once they're moved in, if you are looking for like a, a two-hour calming activity every Sunday or every second Sunday, this cool. is the hobby for you. Who isn't? <laughs> Everyone needs a two-hour Sunday chill chunk. That's beautiful. Yeah. 
Well, I had such a sweet time chatting with you and I look forward to one day tasting some of your honey. You are first on the list. Are you kidding? That's what I get for the bee notepad, the bee earrings, (laughs) a bee Christmas tree. (laughs) All bee gear. Sponsored by gems. Sponsored by little gems. (laughs) Please. We'll have to look into that. This podcast never becomes profitable, of course, (laughs) in the very near future. Well, I love you and thank you so much for chatting. Love you too. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.